1: Thank <laughs> you.
0: I think it's one of those films that really revolutionised my life in the last decade. I think recently, you know, because we came to the end of a decade and I reflected on all the films that I loved um, in the last 10 years and I think it won uh, number one. It's a film of the decade for me.
1: Yeah, I'm similar. Like, Because I, I really love it as much as you, Emily. When I came out, I was thinking like, wow, this is really something. And then as the years have gone on, I've realised this is really divisive. And mm. every time I hear more views and I'm just like, wow, this really does either work or not work in a fundamental way that kind of breaks the experience for a lot of people.
2: Hello, film fans. Joining FlixWatcher in the studio today, we have Emily. Hello. Matt. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hey. And we're here to review La La Land. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher. Joining us today, we have Amelie and Matt. If you would like to say hello to our lovely listeners and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Hello, I'm Amelie. Uh, so I am one and a fourth of a podcast which is a specialized in a reviewing erotic thrillers, everything we love about them and everything we hate about them. Uh, so yeah we've been doing what you love the
3: most is it the the nakedness
0: no no actually (laughs) what I love the most is the thrilling element of the, the the films but unfortunately most of them are not really thrilling. I love the twist. I love the twist. That's my favourite thing. But yeah, so uh, we've been doing it for about 50, 51 episodes now. We, I'm the only French ro- and the only girl on this podcast. I'm um, doing it with three other guys. One is Scottish and two others are English. And they, you know, all of them By the way f- you're
3: calling out the nationalities. Yeah,
0: <laughs> there was, yeah. And... Um, and they, they were all really invested in that kind of genre. We we started it because we were talking on Twitter about guilty pleasures and, you know, the kind of films that we used to that we used to watch when we were teenagers. And um, I just ex- admitted that I used to watch that kind of films yeah. with my parents when I was younger. And uh, we started talking about it. And then someone someone said, oh, let's do a podcast about it. And me, I was like trying to back- backpedal about it. <laughs> because I thought, oh, I don't think, I don't know if I'll, I'd be able to be to be eloquent eloquent since I'm not, you know, it's not my native tongue, yeah. you know, to, to speak in English. But I thought, oh, you know, it's great. You know, I've done a master thesis in uh, film analysis and literature and I should be fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I didn't realise that there were that many erotic thrillers around. You and
3: thought it was going to be like a short run series. Yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would
0: be like 10 episodes. I, I didn't realise I it was a basic fit fatal attraction, you know. And then I was like, oh no, there are so many, so many of them. <laughs> and many, many bad ones compared yeah. to good ones. So I
3: remember... I didn't watch that many um, because, I don't know, because reasons. Uh, but there was one, was it The Specialist?
2: Oh, yeah. With, With Sylvester Stallone in it. Sylvester Is that an erotic thriller? I thought
0: it's more of an action film. Well, it, well I thought I it think was. think it has, like,
2: moments that, I mean, they're not going to be erotic between <laughs> those <two. laughs> this is the thing. but it was sold as maybe kind of having, like, Cause it that. Because
3: they have in it. So, therefore, yeah. it's like, yeah. that already yeah. is like, okay, yeah. guys. It's, it's erotic. It's, yeah. it's an, has she done a non-erotic film? She
0: makes Seer
3: them erotic. With uh, Dustin Hoffman? Uh, it's a kind of a sci-fi thing that. when okay.
0: they go under anything. Oh, well, um, yeah,
3: sorry. Yeah. Uh, total Recall. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, whenever you hear in the 90s, Sharon Stone, you're like, okay, there's going to be... Yeah. It's an erotic theory. But it was just like, even at like 15, and whenever it came out, I just thought, this is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm you haven't gonna... seen
0: <laughs> Basic Instinct, or oh, yeah, Of course. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay.
3: That's what obviously... Um, piqued my interest. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> so to speak. Who are you? Uh, my name is Matt. I co host a Star Trek for Newbies podcast called Spotlight. Uh, we're very much, if you're not into Star Trek, come to us. There's plenty out there if you are into it. So give us some love. Uh, we've covered the movies, 13 movies, and dabbled in the TV show, uh, the TV series, many of them. Yeah, I was going to say, which one? is like, it's not a singular different TV versions? show. Uh, yeah, there's, no, I found a book once that was from the mid early to mid 90s that right. basically said oh yeah if you add up all the Trek content it equals this amount and this was before Voyager before all sorts and it was insane it was, it was too much because uh, the TV shows so you got the original original and next generation animated series Deep Space 9 yeah, uh-huh.
3: um Voyager uh-huh um, Picard now yep. and Discovery. Yeah, and there's another one I'm missing. Enterprise, Enterprise. that's yeah. the
1: Scott Bakula one. Yeah, yeah,
3: Scott Bakula. So yeah, we
1: we're currently yeah, drowning in in the amount of Sh- uh, Trek content, so we've got to catch up on Picard. We've got Star Trek Discovery season three later this year. Lower Decks new animated series. So. I mean, funny enough, we're not like a recap show, so we're not kind of doing weekly recaps and kind of thank God because I think it would kill us. But we <laughs> tend to do kind of season recaps when they're done, so that's going to be more manageable. But we're very looking forward to seeing what comes along. And hopefully the new Star Trek IV, which I believe Noah Hawley is currently attached to, if that goes ahead, uh, Fargo's own Noah Hawley—that should be should be good. Fargo the TV series, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, uh, love the show, so hopefully that kind of—I mean, it would be a lot less bombastic than JJ Abrams' side of things.
1: Yeah, he—he he kind of his debut film was out last year, Lucy in the Sky, which I didn't see, but it got quite a mixed reception. Yeah, yeah. but but so Fargo and Legion are both really really solid, so hopefully he's more suited in the sci-fi realm.
3: Okay, so we are here talking about La La Land. Amelie, you're smiling.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, I, I can. Or
3: I think we can kind of guess what kind of score is going to get from you. So uh, you chose La La Land. Um, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less?
0: Okay. So I chose it because I think it's one of those films that really revolutionized my life in the last decade. I think recently, you know, because we came to the end of a decade. Yeah. And I reflected on all the films that I loved um, in the last 10 years. And I think it won... Uh, number one, it's fame of the decade for me.
3: That begs the question what was else? What else was in the number uh, two? There in was the Revenant
0: it? as well. Okay. I think he was second. And I had uh, Call Me By Your Name right. as well. Uh, weirdly enough, we had a late entry of Rocket Man, mm. who I saw so many times last year. I, how I disappointed
3: are you that Rocket Man isn't featured when when We Will Rock You in the awards chat?
0: What do you mean? Uh, because We yeah. Will Rock
3: You was like, had. Um, Remy Malek and... And the movie, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. No, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah.
0: Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Rockin' Yeah, it's such a shame that yeah he didn't he didn't get the nomination. Yeah, Taron's
1: being robbed, eh? Yeah, completely yeah. robbed, yeah. yeah. So
0: I, I just adore that film. But yeah, so La La Land for mm-hmm. me, um, I saw it at LFF. Okay. Um, and I was very lucky because I I didn't get a ticket in the first uh, round of, you know, sales. And let's I, not
3: let's not give away the tips on how to get the tickets. Because this, <laughs> is very, this is a very special trick, I will tell you guys afterwards. if no! I mean, he yeah. me
0: was a friend, you know. Okay, and a Friend good. had bought two tickets, so yeah. for two different screenings, and she saw that I was so dismayed, I was so gutted that I didn't get any ticket that she said, "Oh, you know, I'm going twice. So if you want, you can go with my boyfriend the following day. I'm going to the gala <laughs> night. You can go in the morning and go and see it with, um, with my boyfriend." So I was okay, and uh, I was very lucky because for the gala, um, Ryan Gosling didn't come. Right. And the following day, they said, at the beginning, they said, okay, so Damien Chazelle and the cinematographer will be there. And I think there were two producers. And they said, and we have a surprise at the end of the of um, the film. So I thought, imagine, maybe it's Emma. Because Ryan was um, recording uh, Blade Runner at the time. Right, okay. And he was, uh, I don't know, uh, in Eastern Europe or something. So I thought, it's not Ryan. And then at the end, it was Ryan and I was front row. So I was really, 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 really happy. So it just like... Just
1: leaping at his up, feet.
0: You know, like, oh! yeah, no, 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 no. But it, it was it, already... It was so sorry heartbroken and so moved by that film and then you know they came and they talked about the film so it was just it was magical for me.
3: Was this in the Odeon
1: main Yeah screen? the old Odeon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so. I saw Whiplash there at LFF ah, did so you? his previous film yeah and that had I think Miles Teller and Giselle were there and but that was one of the only ones I saw in that cinema before it had the revamp. Yeah. So, ah, okay. but it was hell of a screening.
0: Yeah. Helen,
3: what are your thoughts on La La Land? Oh, sorry, so
0: we need, we the, need, we the, we need yeah, the synopsis. So, the synopsis. Yeah. so let's try to make it uh, short. So basically, basically, despite a really rocky uh, start, uh, a girl who is a, a trying actress and a man who is obsessed with jazz and just wants to open his club meet and fall in love. <laughs> but because of their careers and their obsessions and it's that it's is this uh, love story going to carry on and strive or will they end up following their dreams of their careers, but to the detriment of their love story? So that's, that's basically the synopsis. Um, Helen, thoughts, La La
3: Land?
2: Um, So every now and again, there kind of comes a film, I think we've all been there where you kind of see the, the talent involved and the anticipation is high and there's just so many elements in it that you're like, this is going to be so good. And you hear the reviews and then you see it and you feel as though you've been sold an absolute lie. Ah.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting too. Yeah. And
2: in the same way that you have so much passion for it, I'm so passionate about it for the other reasons. So for me, this, this is a love story that from the outset is never going to last because... There's kind of no romance there to begin with. I have a few problems with this. Um, both of the characters are quite, there's nothing really to them. I mean, Ryan Gosling's pretty pretty awful and there's no kind of hiding like how awful and boris she is. And Emma Stone is kind of sort of a wannabe actress and she never seems quite comfortable in how she's playing it and re-watching it. They both just don't look comfortable dancing or being these characters and kind of look like they're sort of looking at the camera going am I doing this right because I went into this thinking this is going to be crazy stupid love mark II, and it's going to have all that chemistry and all the charisma that they had mm. and all of that energy and there was none of that there but I think what's even worse for me about this is it's a musical but there's no songs and the music in it is really average and it kind of forgets that it's a musical halfway through because you kind of have like two three songs at the start and then they get together and then there's no real song again there's sort of the the the, he joins like this really awful funk jazz band uh with John Legend and that's kind of where there's some music there but then it sort of stops and you don't really kind of pick up the sort of musical element until Mm. sort of the end so um well i've, I've got an explanation should, for that i so. should, should i should say that also i absolutely loved whiplash yeah like love it to bits i thought it was visceral i thought it was aggressive i thought it was clever we recorded
3: thought, whiplash on here so you can listen yeah, to that episode um
2: about how much anticipation i had based on this mm-hmm. to i came out of the cinema and i was so angry uh, yeah, <laughs> and i had not returned back to it when it came on netflix i went not gonna get involved in uh, you I'm so again. Sorry
0: for having
3: picked. Up. Had uh, Ryan Gosling turned up at the end of your screening, <laughs> would that have augmented it for you?
2: I would have gone. What? What was that, <laughs> What was that?
1: You sold me a lie. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I'm I'm definitely in Amelie's camp, so you'd be happy to hear, even though you've left me in it so on Friday nights. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really love it. See, I really love Whiplash, and I really love this, and I really love First Man. Like, First Man, mm. I kind of had to warm up to a bit, but the more I rewatch that one now, I think it could even be his best film. Have you so, seen
3: his first film?
1: No, no, Guy and Madeline on a Park oh, Bench, park. right? That's the one I haven't, but for someone who's done these three films that for me are all practically four, five stars is pretty amazing. But I, I do really love it, and I... I I do really buy into these guys and it's, it's, it is a a film full of kind of artifice in the way it's put together. And it's deliberately so like it is harking back to a lot of these old school musicals and everything from the, like the color scheme and the the shooting style. Um, But I think it's a film that pays homage to musicals without actually being one. Like it, it is a musical, but it kind of the way it plays with it, it isn't. So it starts off with the biggest musical number. And I don't think that's, you know, uh, like I think, I think that's very deliberate. Mm. And then, as it goes through, like reality. Important there
3: as well. It's not, you don't have Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling singing in that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it goes straight into uh, someone in the crowd, which is another big kind of big number. And yeah. then, as it goes on, like as reality creeps in for these guys, the fantasticalness kind of shrinks down. So you've got when they're kind of dating and stuff; it's still a bit magical. And then. You know, their, their, their bit on the on the mountainside on the hilltop is kind of more just, oh, as if two people were doing some improv dance. I still think that's quite magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of like the transition point. And then by the time they're just singing City of Stars to each other, just kind of laughing over their lines, it's kind of the point. It's like you're out of the musical world at this point. And then it just goes through their lives and it isn't until the ending is allowed to reveal a kind of fairy tale approach of what could have happened. Mm-hmm. The musical element comes back, and I yeah. think that's very deliberate as well. But you know, I, I can understand that. Like it is, there is a good chunk of this film without kind of those numbers, or, or and it kind of has to ride on the more uh, traditional score from Justin Hurwitz yeah. uh, instead. But. But these guys, I find them, I find them really charming. I mean, Gosling can wear the hell out of any shirt. Like I want his whole wardrobe. And and Stone, I think she definitely knows how to weaponize her kind of big expressions. And it, it can appear, it can seem at times as quite a broad uh, performance. But I think she really nails n- narrows in when it needs to be. And for me, it really works.
3: So, what for you guys was your kind of favorite songs, Helen? If you have one,
2: <laughs> well, then none. It's, the only one that I can even vaguely remember is the City of Stars one.
3: Not, not Another Day of Sun. It's another day of sun. Mm.
2: <laughs> well,
3: no. No.
0: well, I was going to say, so it's great that you thought about that. I was going to say the, uh, there's definitely an explanation why it can forget it's a musical. Because for me, as you said, life gets in the way. So at first, you know, it's all like charming and magical and they meet a cute, meet, uh, how do you say meet cute? like yeah. Like three times. And um, yeah, so it's all like sunny and it's, the colors are so bright as well. So you've got the songs, you've got the colors are bright and then suddenly they start dating and then life gets in the way and they start drifting apart because it joins that band. And I don't know if you noticed, but even the filters become a bit greenish and kind of muted. She starts wearing uh, clothes are just navy and mm-hmm. white. She doesn't have those really colorful dresses anymore and they start singing, Uh, they stop singing, they stop, uh, you know, he gets into that jazz band Mm -hmm. and he has to change the kind of type of genre. He he was very traditionalist originally and now he has to do some kind of fusion jazz and I think it's because yeah the you know life gets in the way they're not that happy anymore together and that's why they don't really sing anymore and that's why at the end with the epilogue and the what if and the fairy tale uh it, yeah what hap- what would have happened between mm. them two then suddenly everything flares again it's like fantastic yeah, yeah. and you know it's it's I mean I'm sure it.
1: I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about the ending but for me that yeah. whole fairy tale what if moment it goes on just long enough to make you forget about the reality that we're turning back to yeah but yeah but yeah funnily enough like yeah I think I think my favorite song is Someone in the Crowd. I think that's a really great kind the first of big, big number. Yeah. The second, second second. one. Second one. Okay. Um, just for the way it kind of goes through from the room and it's kind of a bit of an ensemble song as well and then sure. gets to the party. And all her roommates as well are now pretty big actresses. So it's, who are they? Yeah. It's Callie Hernandez who was in Alien Covenant and The Endless and... Uh, is something it her, else they recently. is. they
0: um, Blair Witch. The Blair Yeah, Blair Witch, yeah. yeah the remake uh, of Blair Witch. Yeah. Jessica
1: Roth, who's. Why, Why the... are they doing that? Sorry. What? Sorry <laughs> that <was> terrible. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Roth, who's the lead in the Happy Death Day movies. Okay. And then Sonia Mizuno, who's in Ex Machina and Maniac, the Alex Garland and the other Emma Soane thing. So, yeah, there's a good, good support cast in here. Um, so, I,
3: I don't think that this is as good as Whiplash um i don't think this is that good a musical generally but there's so many things about this which i really did like more so the second time than the first time the first time i watched it i was like almost like not angry but just like um what's I going on really exactly
2: disappointed
3: what's going on exactly and I'm like, i don't really get it and i do actually like your explanations about how it kind of real life gets in the way and it kind of dissipates the kind of musical thing kind of thing dissipates um and i was kind of annoyed that they're paying on the kind of trope of like let's let's play up old style Hollywood to make a film, make a film that everyone will get kind of get behind in Hollywood and be Mr. Super awards um, season baiting type of film. So that kind of thing uh, got in my way, Mm -hmm. but then there's things like, I didn't know anything about this film, but then I saw that poster, which is the classic one of the Emma in the yellow dress and Ryan Gosling and the top in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Um, the main poster is super saturated with the purple background. But when I saw that image, I was like, fuck. That looks outstanding. And the film does look great all the way through with that the uh, someone in the crowd mm, mm-hmm. where they have the primary colours of the yeah. girls dancing and things like that. It's, it looks it just it kind of really pulls you through. I don't think any of the mu the songs are really that good apart from my favourite song is the audition one, which I think ah, yeah. which I think is yeah. just genuinely like a really good song and mm-hmm. how, how it's played. But in, in terms I hate City of Stars. I, I like think City of I Stars. I think that's so such a boring song for me. Um
1: that's kind of the obvious let's put this forward for best song Oscar pick. But I don't see yeah. why
3: it is that because I think the, the audition song is so much different and a, a different kind of way yeah, of playing yeah. on a song. I wonder if it was
1: just because it's both, both of the minute maybe, like for the reprise version, I don't know. Because
3: the City of Stars, the, the main kind of do it's just going up a scale and back again, not yeah. that interesting. Ryan Gosling doesn't sing it that well. The, the lyrics aren't that interesting. Um, so it's just like, why is this the, the lead song for this when there's like...
2: It's no shallows. <laughs>
3: Shallows is horrific. Shallows is really sure. bad. <laughs>
2: uh,
3: Shallows is like, it goes, it's good for like a minute and a half and it's like, there's no song to this. And
0: she goes, yeah, it's just it's like going, la, 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 like, like, like
3: for like three minutes. I'm like, why is this a song? Again, that the best song in that was the last song, which they didn't, which should have been, put mm. from my point of view. But yeah, so, that, I don't know, this is me like picking the song which they should have put forward for Oxford, but that, that audition song, I love the story and I love the way it kind of, it plays, you see her doing the audition, the lights going down, the spotlight coming on her, it kind of flirting around her and talk, starting from talking into mm. into a song, which is something you just don't see that much. Yeah. And exactly. I, that's why, that's why it kind of took me more. Yeah. But I, for me, I'm like, Whiplash is
1: better as a I mean, yeah, whiplash is super, super tight. Like, I love it. I, yeah. I think, I think with this, for me, it hits really personal because I think what it is is some of the things it says. It's kind of arguments, you know, getting steady paid work versus mm. selling out. Uh, if you're doing something as a compromise to your own values with the eventual goal of bankrolling your dream, at what point do you realize you've been doing the former for too long? And the I, mean, I think it really expresses the fear, fear of not know. knowing. If you're if able, able to see, see that you're not good, good enough, enough or yeah. not, which yeah. is a really weird way of saying that, yeah, like but like that's, that's something Emma Stone's character or, reckons with and when exactly. she goes back home, or not
3: being able to see that you are good enough, but you just have to wait for your yeah, wait for it wrong. And
1: I think it's, I think it's quite clever that a film packages itself as this kind of Oscar contender and this feel good musical, and what it really is is kind of these people trying to work out what it is they can sacrifice. And for someone who's trying to make it in something creative here, like I, I feel a lot like you know not getting too personal but I feel like I'm constantly worrying like, you know, have I sacrificed or have I mislaid you know, health, finance, relationships all sort of things in pursuit of something whether it's, and whether it's going to be worth it and I think this kind of shows two sides of that from her and from him and I think it's great that I think an easy ending for this film would be that they end up together. I think think an easier ending would be that they end up together and get what they want maybe not easy ending more of a copper ending but they, i think it's harder for it to be to actually have a mainstream film that shows that they don't end up together they kind of get what they want but it's and they and the moment at the end when they recognize that they've helped each other get there i think so powerful and it's that thing of you know this is what it is a very much the meaning of a bit sweet ending where they've got what they want but at what cost i think you say
3: the copper ending would have been would have been that but i think they did do the copper ending where they showed what happened and then, hey guys, this is what you could have won (laughs) kind of thing. And I just think, I think that's- You don't like it? No, not at all. The
2: the ending was the only bit that I did think was actually quite good. (laughs) But then the reason it didn't work for me is because I didn't believe in any future for the relationship Mm. to begin with because they're both ultimately too kind of focused or selfish about the things that they wanted. So for me watching it, there was just, there was nothing to begin with for me to kind of invest in. And then when obviously the cracks did shot to show, it was like, well, this was obviously going to happen. And then it kind of does that classic thing where the woman puts her life on hold so the man can be achieving his dreams or goals and things. And she sets him up with that whole idea, which we see all the time. So then when it did do the ending where it was, you know, this is what it could have been. And the way that was done was really interesting and more kind of in like, a musical genre which I like kind of annoyed me more that what they'd done there if they kind of had stretched out everything I got from that for the whole film Mm. then I would have enjoyed it more and I I do get the whole thing with the the colors and how it starts off being kind of fancy and Mm. and magical with it being the musicals but I just didn't buy them both
3: I I I agree with you in that I didn't the fact they first time I met each other was on the freeway straight motorway met, quote unquote. The second time was that, that fleeting part in the in the jazz club when he just got fired. Um and the third time was at the at the, at the party. Those three those three are non event meetings.
2: Yeah. And, and that's no so, romance so, so, so there. it's
3: hard it's hard for me to buy that. But what I did really like is the in, you know bypass that in their in a relationship. They're both in a creative industry, which is something I think about, well, you must be must happen all the times where two people are starting off from a place they're both trying to do something and is it do we stay together or do we do our own thing and I don't quite agree with you in that she put her 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 job on hold because she was still doing her thing it's, yeah. it's just that he had to travel mm-hmm. to do his thing but she yeah. she was in the exact same place she was in the exact right place for her to do her thing yeah. um, and that's why she did get the gig was because she was in the right place and did put the show on even though no one came to see it apart from this casting director but i did like that struggle of like and it must happen with, with bands on stage yeah, bands yeah. get touring and they leave the, the other one behind or um even with like brad pitt and uh, Anthony Jolie, they were both doing mm. different films and that's that's why people couple separate it's, it's a, it's a mm. tough situation i didn't buy them as a couple maybe because of crazy stupid love i'm like well these guys are these guys are great together. This is the best <laughs> film for them. Do
1: you think the scene in the, the cinema where they meet up, that's like the best non-sex, sex scene in ages? Which I find when, like When they the meet up pans. in the cinema, yeah, that, that uh, point the point in there, yeah.
0: I love it. Now, for, for me, I buy everything there is in that film <laughs> because, maybe because I relate to it a lot. So basically... I was in love with someone that was much more focused on his career. And he always told me, the thing is, I want to move to L.A. And he wanted to film, be a film producer. So I was like, we can't really settle down together because mm. I want to be in L.A. So I have that. And that happened after La La Land as well. So afterwards, what else? So there's, there's so many things that relate. Like, um, there's what else? There's um. Did
3: you go to the Griffith Observatory and Fly no, as no, well? No, <laughs> no,
0: we didn't. But the Good Enough Passage is very much something that I relate to as well because
3: explain the good enough passage.
0: The, so when when she's uh, outside a house, she, she goes back home, you know, because uh, a show, a one one woman show, was a flop and. Mm. She she's so devastated that she tried and tried and see you, you say that you don't think that she plays really well for me I think she's excellent in every single audition that she has because she gets interrupted all the time and for example the first one when she's on the phone and she's trying to go into that really emotional piece yeah. and they just say oh can I have a sandwich or something like, I, I, I find everything hilarious in that film I like all the lines I like all the, the conversations as well when they meet you know and they do you, see, you think that there's no chemistry between them whereas I think there's a lot of chemistry. And also I've got some friends who hated each other at first and now they're together, they've got a baby. Mm. So for me, I've seen that <laughs> no, as I've well seen with that people yeah, that don't particularly like each other. But the, the good enough bit, its she goes home and he comes back to get her because the one, one woman show, a casting director was there and actually noticed her. So they want to see her and he goes there. He, does, he doesn't have a way to contact her. So he actually drives all the way to Nevada to find her. And uh, she says, you got an audition tomorrow and you have to come, you know. And she said, no, I just, I can't do it. I can't, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't be rejected again like this. And maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not, you know. And for me, it happens to me in dating. So for example, I've been on so many dates, so many dates and it never works and it never works. And you're like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, you know, and you want to quit. And that's something that really relates to me as well. So I've got everything in the film really touched me. And uh, also you said that, you know, that you don't find the songs really um, rememberable. I really actually like that they don't have perfect voices and that are not perfect dancers because mm. I find it much more relatable mm. uh, when I see you know like really big numbers the Hollywood numbers and actually oh it's too perfect I don't like when I go and see a musical you know on Shasbury uh, mm. Avenue and, and they have like crystal clear voices that could break glasses well, this no. film, oh, really? this film's no. not <laughs> this film's
1: <laughs> not one of those but yeah, exactly. it's kind of marketed as if it is or people yeah. a lot of people went to it thinking it was so maybe was. they were disappointed yeah. because like the, you know he's not Fred Astaire like yeah. obviously and it's like I think it is very tongue in cheek and you know the the duet dance they have on the hillside i think they play into the fact that they're just cocking about you know yeah. and it's like but it's still choreographed just enough that it can yeah be that, essentially that dance,
3: dance. I, I really do love that dance and yeah. the whole setup in into the tap bit where they're not tapping that well but they're kind of tapping enough and they're doing that kind of little skip steps and like um and it's not like it's not that singing in the rain where you're just like oh fucking hell <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly well first of all, i've only seen singing in rain once and i just i was just kind of blown literally blown mm. away by what people did like way back when i'm thinking well they're yeah. they're the best at, I mean,
1: that's at, a particular type of showbiz entertainment yeah. Yeah. those those things
3: yeah um so uh, I, I, I do get the music i do get that they're not supposed to be perfect um some some but i just think ryan Gosling's I not, voice the
2: singing i mean you know the the singing is kind of what it is yeah, yeah. it is it is what it is and the parts, part's in it when she is doing the audition, she's amazing. But outside of that, she's just not the kind of Emma Stone that I've seen elsewhere. Because I think she's great and I will watch her in pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about this performance that... <laughs> yeah, it just it didn't have the magic.
0: Whereas for me, It has the magic. So So it's funny because when I went into that film and I saw it and I came out of it, I couldn't fathom that anyone couldn't like the film. Sure. Like, it's it's never happened to me where, you know, you watch a film and you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, the only people that I thought might not like it is people that hate musicals. Mm. So I've got a friend who hates any musical. I, well, I think we, we all, we all so have much, friends though. who hate
3: musicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah. So I thought, yes, okay, maybe I wouldn't recommend that. But to anyone else, I w- for me, it's almost like when someone tells me, they didn't like it. It's like a stab in my heart because it's as <laughs> if they were attacking my personality or everything that so I believe in. You've, or had, you know. you've had
3: quite a few stabs here tonight.
0: Oh, but on Twitter as well. So many people attacked me about it. So, you know, I'm used to it. But So
3: before we go into the scores, yeah. um, this was the source of one of the biggest Oscar controversies uh, mm. like in recent times. Do you think it should have won the best picture of that year?
0: For me, yes. Especially that uh, I saw Moonlight afterwards. Yeah. And as I thought, you'd better be good to win the bloody Oscar because you know. And I was very disappointed. By really?
1: Oh, yeah. oh, I but love so, Moonlight. I think Moonlight's an incredibly deserving winner, and I'm glad it did. Like, I think this doesn't really need like to have Oscar winner stamped on it as well. Sure. I think it's. I think because it is so secretly subversive from what it's trying to do. I think. I think they really have smuggled in quite a strange film into the Oscar race and it's, it's because of the, you know, the stars and the talent behind it but I think what it's doing, like you say, you said if you're not a fan of musicals you won't like it and I think if you are a fan of musicals you won't like it. It's, I think it's a very specific narrow field for people who will really connect with it. Either you will really connect with the characters like we have mm. or you will kind of like like what they're doing with the form but if you go in thinking where's my Fred Astaire you'll, you'll hate it. If you just hate songs anyway you'll be turned off from the start because that's where they hit you hard with it. Yeah. So it's, this, it's a strange one. Like, uh, it, I think it should have swept up like elsewhere, you know, but it's, it went in with too, much, with too much cred, and especially following Whiplash as well. I think, yeah, I, I was
3: happy that Moonlight won over this. I thought Moonlight was like, astonishing. And for such a small, unassuming film, the way mm-hmm. I'd left, I was just, well, I was kind of sat in my seat for a, a minute or so, just that mm-hmm. someone taking, well, I'm not going to spoil mm-hmm. it at the end. I was yeah. just like, oh, right,
1: wow. oh, fuck. Well, back when we thought the Oscars might be doing the right yeah. things for yeah. a while and then what, what are
3: your thoughts get... moonlight versus have you seen moonlight yeah i have yeah, yeah.
2: um I, so the opposite happened at the end of moonlight i was there in the cinema and i was like wow that that was amazing mm. and i think it was important that moonlight won over La 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 Land. Land. and the way it happened just kind of summed up kind of the oscars as it is that it is yeah. this kind of like absurd parade anyway mm. and you know what wins, what happens, what gets remembered is really kind of insignificant in the end. But I think it was important that it won. Um, but yeah, I, you know, maybe we'll get to do Moonlight in a, in a future pod.
0: Should we head to scores or do you have yeah. any other points no, to just, make? I just wanted to say Moonlight, I think, as you said, it's, maybe it's important that it won. Uh, but I think, I re- I'm reading British um White, What's sorry? Uh, uh, Brett Easton Ellis is white, you know, so it's his non-fiction book okay. about his uh, ideologies, uh, you know, his, uh, his, ide- his ideas, his reviews of film, and he's actually talking about Moonlight. And he says that as a, as a gay person, he really didn't relate to it, mm. and he thought it was kind of a poor film. Uh, I think it's stunning, but I think it's so subdued, and I thought that it would be... I mean, the ending, you, you, I'm not going to spoil it, but I was just like, oh, it's just that. It just ends like this. It's just so <laughs> climatic, you know? And and people were like, yeah, maybe it just deserves, you know, tenderness. It's not necessarily sex that he wants or something, but you can have both, you know? And uh, it's, it's stunning. The, the score is absolutely stunning, but it's just, it's devoid for me of uh, of really strong emotions, right. you know? And the the love story is so... Yeah, it's um, Inconsequent for me So I was very Very disappointed But I think Everyone's got their different values and the Oh, different absolutely
3: I mean, for me uh, Calling by your name It's in your number three Yeah But I didn't really rate it I see I
0: um,
3: Because I didn't Again with here I didn't really buy The relationship I loved everything else about it Yeah Loved Italy Loved yeah. the way it was portrayed Loved the soundtrack mm. Loved the actors Loved everything But I was just like These two really? Are these guys? In, are they <laughs> Are they into each other? Is that what's happening here?
1: See, I think we just need More films and more stories About you know, about like, the gay experience and stuff, because yes. it isn't all one thing. Like, Brett East Ellis might not, like, relate to Moonlight, but he might relate to another. And yeah. it's like, one thing isn't one thing. So mm-hmm. I think the more stories we have, the more... Because, you know, it's th- th- there's so many stories from everywhere else. And it's I like, do
0: watch a lot of them, Gods on Country, and I love... Yeah, yeah. It. Well, We're yeah, talking we about that. young uh, directors, and yeah. uh, I will talk about this, you know, the Xavier Dolan. Do you know Xavier Dolan? No. So he's from Quebec, and he was in the the Cannes jury invited there. He's very very rated in France. He's right. adored in France, and uh, he's done like five or six um, films. One of them is in a uh, English is English speaking, and there's a uh, Kit Harrington and okay. Portman, Helen Sarandon. It's called the the Death and Life of John F. Donovan. Oh,
3: okay, yeah, yeah.
0: But it's not as good as the other films. But sure. it, because he's, he's you know queer, he's- you know he does a lot of films about gay people and.
1: He's super young as well. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. Like, super he's super young. Like so quite like quite like Damien Damien so he's like, well, let's, I mean, let's
3: talk about this now before yeah. we get into scores, because I yeah. think we are in a, in a really kind of prime period now. Damien Chazelle, Barry yeah. Jenkins, Marielle Heller. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, I've a say? few, actually. I've written uh, well, Damien Chazelle and Xavier Dolan. I've uh, Ryan Kugler. Yeah. I've uh, Jordan Jordan Peele.
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: very interesting guy, Gert, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. yeah. So these,
3: these so, are like people, with, they've had two or three like strong films. Um, I mean whether you like La La Land or not it's yeah. still like highly regarded you're just like this is like a, a fertile yeah, period yeah. for these guys and mm-hmm. there seems to be money going in there and there this, this seems to be the support for people to do these kind of films. where yeah. you think yeah. they're taking risks and, and they're especially interesting.
0: for Netflix I was reading today an article that Netflix are really investing in uh, young directors yeah
1: yeah Yeah, I've got a few like, like Robert Eggers with The Witch and the Lighthouse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of debut filmmakers actually Rose Glass, who did Saint Maud, which is coming out late this year. I saw it London last year, and that's a really great kind of dark psychological horror. Um Joe Talbot, who did The Last Black Man in San Francisco, yeah. really fantastic. And Lulu Wang for the farewell and The
3: Farewell I saw that last weekend that was, that was-
1: Blinding, yeah. and but, I re-
3: but I didn't include. I didn't include it because she's, she's had one. And I, yeah,
2: these, are, these are a lot. Yeah, so you've got, got to make Ari. at least two. Yeah. Ari? Yeah.
1: Ariassi. Ariassi. Yeah, these Ari these Ari are a Astor. lot of ones. Like Riley Stearns, I really Like he did a film called Faults a few years ago with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and his new one, The Art of Self Defense with right. Jesse Eisenberg, was really really great. He's really kind of nailed in on weird idiosyncratic, comic, like dark comedy dramas. Because um, Faults is kind of about this woman who's indoctrinated in a cult and a guy snatches her out and tries to you know, deprogram her in a hotel room and it comes a power play of who's deprogramming who kind of thing and the art of self defence is a very very funny and very dark kind of take on toxic masculinity of this guy Jesse Eisenberg who just wants to feel less helpless and so joins a karate class and yeah. there's some weird people involved there and it's all about kind of taking back your manhood and stuff and deconstructs that whole thing so he's really interesting as well but there's yeah there's tons of new people
3: a lot out. out there mm. a lot of new stuff a lot of exciting stuff out there Ooh. Right, let's head to the scores now.
1: Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzostwick, And together we host a show called song, song, by song by Song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Hicks before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice.
2: and um as we always do we start off with the recommendability you uh scores are all out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish and we'll start with you Emily, because you chose it
0: okay so recommendability for for me because i absolutely adore it i would give it five of course but if i take into account people that don't like musicals for example and also the backlash of it and realizing that loads of people didn't like it mm. as many people as maybe a bit more people liked it that disliked it, but there are some people that really disliked it. Yeah. So I would say four. Um,
3: do you, are there any comments in the backlash that you kind of can take on board that you can accept in their, in their...
0: Um, well, the thing is, I will always kind of flip it, you know, saying, for example, I understand that people were disappointed about uh, the the, num- the dan- dancing numbers or the singing numbers not being exceptional yeah. and I understand that. Um, so you don't like Ryan, right, as a person, like as, as a character. I mean, you don't like it. Whereas me, I don't mind it don't. There's the people who say, oh, yeah, you know, he's the... Um, He's like the guy when you go on a date and he tried to mansplain you. <laughs> I mean, I was like, that would be the same. If I, if, ever, if, ever, if I was a man, like, if I'm passionate about something, I'd be like, just, yes, yeah. right, rocks, rock music, I'm going to tell you about <laughs> it. It would be the same, you know. So for me, it's not a problem. And also, uh, I've got a friend as well. She, uh, she brought up the fact that she didn't like that Emma Stone forgot about her friends uh, halfway through the film. So at first she, she's, she's I'd forgotten about up. them. <laughs> yeah, so she's... They're at her
2: show, they're there.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're but she's like, oh, you know... Uh, She's not really sticking with her friends anymore. Now we see just a relationship. And I was like, yeah, but that's life. Yeah, that's, that's, life. that's what happens I, that's, to that's, most people. Yeah, that's, but... And that's the
3: story they're telling. They're, yeah, not, they're exactly. not telling about Emma Stone and her friends. Yeah. It's like Emma yeah. Stone and Ryan. Yeah. So what? So four. Okay.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you know, it depends. If if me, personally, I would give it five. Uh, if but I the fact you'll put account, lots of caveats in there. Yeah. Okay. Matt?
1: Yeah, I'm mean, similar like cuz I I really love it as much as you Emily. When I came out, I was thinking like wow, this is really something. And then as the years have gone on, I've realized this is really divisive. And mm. every time I hear more views on it, I'm just like, wow, this really does either work or not work in a fundamental way that kind of breaks the experience for a lot of people. Um so I definitely recommend it still like to see, but yeah, with whether you're a musical fan or or everything else going in, um I'd say I'd say a 4 as well. Helen. Yeah, so
2: I I mean I guess whether you like musicals or not is debatable what you're going to get out of this because it's not musical in a musical sense. So, you know, give it a go, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true, uh, it's true. um, But yeah, it's... There's always been kind of films that kind of do come along every now and again and we haven't had one for a while that has been so divisive. And it's, it's really interesting that no one is sort of kind of of the... Yeah, I kind of thought it was all right. Yeah, no, no
4: one. It's.
3: I think I was more, most in that camp. I really. So there's, there's bits I realised, but bits I was like, uh, not, not for me. Yeah. But kind of.
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, just, just for me, I was just disappointed in, in the talent, and, I don't know, I don't think it, it does not Hard. Uh, two and a half. Yeah, in the middle.
3: So how much of it is the weight of expectation being so high being? Well, I've got over liking, that. I've got over that crazy now. Crazy stupid love <laughs> and liking whiplash.
2: So uh, that was the initial thing. Mm-hmm. And then re-watching it. Um, I mean, Ryan Gosling's character, it's just really terrible. It's not just the mansplaining. He just, you kind of never really feel like you get to know him. And he just doesn't seem particularly warm mm-hmm. to me. Uh-huh. And I kind of, from the start, it's like she's just so much more better than she <laughs> and she kind of deserves yes. that you I kind of wanted her to get to the point where you know they broke up sooner so that she can achieve her full potential quicker because it is the moments where she's on her own and in the audition that she's the best for me and the the kind of fluff around the musical bits in the background because I didn't think it was doing anything particularly new with a musical star genre mm-hmm. I was kind of like well I'm I'm yeah, get on with that, carry on with the story and see where it goes. So then for it to kind of flip the ending and do the, you know, this is what could have been. And they both come at those points where they like reach that point where they're at their best. That was kind of the most interesting thing. So, so. What,
3: what did you get, what did you guys make of, of the breakup scene where she's come back from the audition? It's gone amazingly well. She's put out that, that club banger of a song and she's the one that says, what are we doing? Hi-ya. And
0: well, I don't I don't know if they broke up at that time anyway because... Uh, but the, she she says, I will always love you. Mm. And he says, I will always love you. And I've got loads of friends, I say... Because, you know, when I was re rewatching the film for, for the for podcast prep, I posted a little video on Instagram and I said, perfection about the epilogue, you know? And then a friend, I was like, no, it's the worst ending because <laughs> loads of people wanted them to end up together. Oh, really? So, yeah. And for me, I always say... But I think if they had ended up together, it would just have been like a normal rom-com. And the fact that there's this epilogue, it kind of elevates it to a masterpiece because yes, there's, there's the whole what-if epilogue mm. going through. And and the fact that, mm. you know, at the end, they look at each other and, as you said, they kind of say, thank you for having... Mm. It's You know, the nod for me mm. is like...
1: I think it's quite clear that they're not yeah. meant for each other. Yeah. And the, the quicker they realise that...
3: Yes, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. nice. it's kind of like, well, look where we are. And thank you for coming to visit me. Mm. Yeah,
0: but I do I do think that they still love each other and that this, they still have that kind of, oh, what if we had to stay together? But I think both of them have achieved what they wanted and they're really happy with their lives anyway. But it's so. why
1: the here's what you could have won fantasy ending is a fantasy because like... Yeah this wouldn't have happened probably. And yeah. this is just you two projecting. whoever Whoever's point of view that whole bit is yeah. from, it's just like a, it's the last bit of a dream. Because in reality, even that probably wouldn't have happened because they weren't right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Um, I'm actually going to go higher than you guys. Um, I The only people I wouldn't recommend this to is people who don't like musicals. Because I think... There is no way to determine based on what we've said here. There's no way to determine whether someone's going to like it or not. So, I would, yeah. so the only people I would say they're no, not going to like it are people who like, are against musicals. Otherwise, I'm like, fine, just have a go. Have, have yeah. a go. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. um, so, so I tend to score based on how many caveats, and that that would be my general only caveat. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, four point five, I'm going to put for recommendability. Mm-hmm. Amelie, repeat viewing.
0: I've probably seen it. I saw it five times at the cinema. Oh, seriously? (laughs) 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 Helen's face, yes. Yes, I saw it five times at the cinema. That's like 10
2: hours spent at the cinema with this film. Yeah. This begs another question. How many times have
3: you seen... What's the most you've seen one film at the cinema? That was 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 La La Land five times. What record did it break? Uh,
0: Probably Fight Club, three times. Okay.
1: Yeah. Wow. For me, I think it's it's wonderful life because I do it every Christmas at the sure. Prince Charles. Mm. Oh, I missed it, it. I missed it last year. I did it, No, I missed it the year before last. Did it last year. So I've done it four times now. But I think in at time of release, it would have been like Return of the King, uh, um, or, or actually three, <laughs> hours. It's like three times. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, that's a lot of times. Or Force Awakens. Actually, I did that like midnight screening yeah. two days later, and then over Christmas with my parents. So it was like a lot going on there. So that was three in very quick succession. But overall, Wonderful Life, and it will that number will only continue to grow, I think.
3: Yeah, I've seen It's Wonderful Life at the Prince Charles, and it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's delightful. Um, have you seen films more than once at the cinema?
2: I think the only film <laughs> that I've seen more than once at the cinema is the first Avengers film.
3: Oh, right. Okay. Why, why did you choose that one? Have you seen all the Have you seen all the Marvel films?
2: Uh, I haven't seen them all, all mm. I've seen most of them, but yeah, I I just ended up going to see it twice because I had so much fun the first time. Oh, okay. Um, I but like again. someone was like do you want to go and see it and I was like I've already seen it but yeah I'll go and see it <laughs> yeah.
3: it's a, it is a weird concept for non-cinophiles I tell people yeah I went to see uh, Star Wars again and like what
4: <laughs> when did you
3: see it last time or like three days ago so why did you go and see it again um, because it was Ace and yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get that same experience well for me it's like I'm not going to get that same experience mm. at, at home and I don't tend to watch those bigger films at home because I yeah. just can't recreate it it's just, a, I'm a not I
2: wish that I had seen more times but you know just purely because it was on like for a week times, yeah. and you, you saw it once and then yeah. it, it had gone again, and had again The opportunity.
1: I think I've started doing that more Like now that the impetus to own something is a bit less because of streaming I just try and see something I like as much as I can while it's out so mm-hmm. I saw Knives out when it was out and I just went and saw it again like on the late night screening not long ago I've seen Little Women twice since it's been out I saw the lighthouse at a preview screening in December, but I'll see that again when it's out. So there's a lot more like new stuff that when I really like, I'll be like, you know what, I enjoy it most in the big screen experience, so mm. I'll try and do that a lot yeah. and then probably either not see it again for ages or you know, it'll be a while probably.
3: Yeah. Um yeah, I think I've I've done a few of the Star Wars, all of the main Avengers. apart from because I was just i just felt that was a bit too long. Yeah,
0: it's quite long that's <laughs> um, so that's the that's only so one tight. I saw twice, actually. <laughs>
3: but the all the <laughs> others I've seen, certainly since like Iron Man Three, I've seen uh those twice um in this in the cinema. But it's it's, I, it's a quite an interesting phenomenon as to who goes to see his films mm. more than once. Mm. Um so sorry, repeat VN, you've seen this about five times. What's your and
0: thought? And I've seen it five times and now I probably saw it. Five or six times since then. Uh, So I would put five for me. I can watch it over and over and over again. And the thing is, now I don't think that it's adding more to my experience, but I know that the first five times, for example, I would discover more and more details and, you Mm. know, and and I would interpret it a bit more in depth.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I even read an article recently about the, the, the primary colors, and I already had noticed this, but that was like so apparently, yellow is the um, what do you say, foreboding? Or, you know, a sense of for, foreboding. foreboding, yes, yeah, yeah. foreboding of change. And because, you know, you see there's like the neon and blue and the red neons in their rooms, or so they're together, and they were saying blue is a uh, creativity. So it's always when they're creative, he's got a blue suit, you know, and then the red would be. When they're anchored back into reality you get a bit more, you know, there's something happening that prevents the creativity. So every time it's like, oh, and there's that, and there's that into, you know, I, I think it's so rich that, um, yeah, I gain a lot.
1: Matthew? Uh, yeah, I've seen it four times now, so quite a lot. And yeah, I do just love seeing it and letting it play out. And I think I do admire the craft of it more every time. Like I think, it, I think if you watch, I think the second that the end appears on screen, it clicks in onto the two hour marks. So mm. It's a very clean, like two hour movie. Um, so yeah, I've seen it a whole bunch, probably see it a lot more 4.3. Helen.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to revisit this. Um, and I was kind of hoping that watching it again would it would redeem itself in, in a bit more way and that I might've had enough time to kind of get over the initial sort of um, it's not whiplash amazing, but it's, it still just didn't really grab me. So I'm not going to go back one.
3: Um, but, but when you first, when you suggested, I was like, I don't really want to see this again. <laughs>
4: um,
3: but I was super surprised at how much I did enjoy it. Uh, watching it a second time, the, and the reason I asked about where you guys saw it as well, because I hate that screen, uh, that Leicester Square Odeon. I really, really hate that that particular screen. I think the room's too big, mm-hmm. the screen's too small. Yeah, it is a small. Screen. It's just yeah. like the sound. Every time I've seen a, a mm. film, I mean, that's where I saw Call, "Call Me by Your Name," which didn't resonate with. I saw "Shape of Water" there. LFF didn't resonate with that. Um, and I just I've never had fun in that particular screen room for whatever reason. I saw "La La Land" in a different Odeon, which is close to my house, which is, has a similar kind of thing. It just doesn't feel like the right kind of space to yeah. see it. I think that does have a massive kind of effect <clears> on <throat> it. So I wasn't considering watching it. And I was just, I was surprised at how well, like, even in a smaller scenario, in my more intimate setting, I enjoyed it more than I did do at
0: the cinema. At the cinema. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So I will watch again, not often, maybe once every like four or five years probably. So I'm gonna give it 2.8, I think. That's
0: very precise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Small screen score, Emily.
0: Uh, I gave it a four because uh, I think that it's a film that needs to be seen at the cinema I mean it, it, it completely transfers well onto mm. a smaller screen but I think that it's it's such an experience in terms of colours in terms of and plus it's in cinemascope you know and it mm. says it at the beginning yeah. and uh, you, you're going to laugh because the first time I saw the the first scene though, you know the big ensemble thing yeah I was like, "Oh my god! I hope it's not going to be like that the whole film because I'm not going to like this because <laughs> it was too much for me." Uh, but now I really enjoyed that kind of uh, first number. But um, yeah, for me, and you know, when you ask where what what um, screen I had seen it, mm. I was at the front row, so that was good when Ryan Gosling showed up. But <laughs> honestly, I was like that I could, couldn't really see what was happening on the screen sure but then because I saw it five times in the cinema I really really enjoyed it at the cinema so, but I, th- I still think it looks stunning mm-hmm. and I still think you, see, you can see the virtuosity of the camera moves I think yeah it's so fluid the way that he photos the character and the dancers and then the palm trees I love it it's like a waltz and um, yeah I think it translates very well on screen so on small screen Ma.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely like a big screen film, but I think, you know, if you've got the right setup and a big enough TV, it's gonna, it's gonna pretty much match it. Um, cause there are certain films I find, I think it's mainly like the IMAX ones, like say gravity or Dunkirk, you were saying earlier about mm-hmm. Dunkirk. It's, it's their ones where I'm almost reluctant to ever just watch it on my TV, sure. especially want something like gravity, which is kind of like an experienced film. And I guess 1917 now as well. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, I'm not, I mean, yeah. not, not, not interested in watching 1917. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's not, Gra- Gravity in
3: 1917, I've never
1: want to watch it. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, there's certain... I mean, 1917 is very much not a gimmick film, but there's a there's a certain style involved, and I think uh, that's going to get lost if you shrink it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this isn't as severe, and it works fine. Um, 4.1. Helen.
2: Um, so the, I just talking about sinners. scenery. So I saw this at Screen 1 at Ritzy, mm. um, which the nice curtains and that kind of old Hollywoody y feel. Um, I think this benefits massively from being seen on a big screen, specifically for the colours. And I felt the opening scene on a smaller screen felt really cramped and claustrophobic. Mm, yeah, yeah. And even particularly like the, uh, the one at the pool party as well felt really claustrophobic and really spinny and not in a, in a good way um, on, on the screen for me. So I, I'm going to give it too two. I think this is definitely one that um, you should seek out and see on a big screen if, if you're going to, mm. for a first time yeah, at for least. first
0: time, yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to give it a high score because I did enjoy it more on the small screen as discussed. But I think I still, for for a film that's not special effects laden, mm. Um, you know, I was like, I was, Super excited to see them doing a tap dance scene in Hollywood Hills with with the in, in the Magic Hour time. Yeah, and it almost kind of annoys me when you see the the posters where they've made the background like super purple, so the yellow yeah. really pops out. Because it, I don't think it needs that. Because when they're doing it live, it just it just looks like like sm- spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, I say kind of that kind of fades more and more as you go through the film. There's less and less of that kind of exactly, yeah. uh, pop to it. So I think it does work on a small screen. Uh, but I I kind of agree with you guys that I think. Ideally, if you can see it only once or the first time seeing a cinema, not the screen that I saw it uh, the first time. Uh, So I'm gonna give it four as well. Engagement score, Emily.
0: Well, I would say five because for me, it just grabs me, it's visceral for me, you know, I just, (laughs) uh, yeah, I'm completely gripped and uh, stuck to the screen, so I would say five for me.
1: Matt. Uh, Yeah, I'm gonna go pretty high, 4.9. Like it, it gets me every time, and it's yeah, it it speaks a lot to me actually, and yeah, it's it's got me basically. It's either I think it varies, either it's got you or it's not, and it has. So, Helen, it's not got you. It's not got
2: me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't get
2: her I think for its runtime, it, there's a bit in it where it just really, really dragged for me. Um, yeah, i was thinking you a three. Oh, okay,
4: so more than a yeah, thought.
2: Yeah. Bob. I mean, I stuck with it again. <laughs>
3: the um, engagement score. Hmm. I don't know. I, it's, I, I, you know, whilst watching it, I was enjoying it, but I think you can kind of check out for me. I think you can kind of, you don't, I don't feel you need to be in it. One thing I would talk about the soundtrack. So like, I do love a musical and if I like a musical, I'll go and download the soundtrack on Spotify and it'll be like the, the thing I listened for the next few weeks, like genuinely. Yeah. Um, and when I, you know, when Spotify does your, your tracks of the year, last year was, and the year before was <laughs> Hamilton, like oh, yeah, twice okay. in a row, it's just like <laughs> Hamilton. Um, followed by other musicals I'd seen both on TV on, on the thing. But this was just like, I'd skip forward to audition song. And right. then that would be the song that I really wanted to kind of dive into. So yeah. I think with that as well, I, I feel I can kind of wax and wane with this. So I'm going for 2.3. And that gives us an overall score of 3.58750. It
2: still
0: did quite well. Yeah. still will, yeah. Yeah, yeah whereas the score for me, I, I listen to it all the time. And it's been, what, it was out 2016, 2017? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it. it's probably still in my most listened to tracks. So, did Spotify you
3: know. call it for you at all? Did, if, if it calls me, do you, me, did, do you did Spotify pull it on your most uh, played songs? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It it. I think so, yeah. Okay, guys, so let's head to Twitter. And this... It's probably one of the biggest responses. <laughs> at least interaction. I think, Emily, you've been you've been pumping people up.
0: No, not at all. Honestly, no, you've been, you've been be- because I retweeted. Yeah, it, you've maybe. been re-
3: you've been responding to people. Uh, let <laughs> uh. <laughs> say
2: people feel very passionate about this film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we always do this. So um, for each episode, we'll um, put a shout out on Twitter. So in this case, we're reviewing La La Land with the Oni Cleo Luna and Matt Brothers 2. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out. And there'll be a little gif as well, so they'll be easy to find. So, um, um, Emily, if you'd like to read the first one out for us.
0: Of course. (laughs) So Liam, (laughs) who is the co-host of uh, the Spocklight podcast with Matt, replied, beautifully crafted musical that both uh, homages and passages, uh, the genre, while bringing an added emotional rawness, Vibrant visuals plus a joyous core make this stunningly entertaining. But in the end, this aspiringly honest tale of struggling artists broke my heart. Five stars. Five stars, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, we're not going to go into the comments, guys, but we are, there's quite a few uh, comments and re-comments back from maybe Alan Lee stoking the fire each time. Um, <laughs> no, no,
0: I just reply to people time, Well, that's
3: so. what I mean. Um, yeah. So there are, there are a lot of comments back with each of these um, tweets. So guys, thanks a lot for, for this one. Uh, Matt, do you want to take a second one?
1: Uh, it's from Lee Thomas, at Lee Thomas 5. He says, love it. It got a lot of backlash from its own hype. The songs and choreography are terrific and it's stunningly shot 4.5 stars. Okay. Helen,
2: this one's for screen and country a bfi podcast five stars i will accept no less
3: <laughs> but a little, a little uh, comment from amelie uh, me neither
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so next one is hello
0: Nora. yeah amelie so she's uh liam's girlfriend right yes.
1: Say, uh, and yes and yeah. co-host of the bygones podcast that's it
0: so she said, to me, it's a love letter to a bygone, bygone age of Hollywood that also examines a pretty big life question. What should, what should you compromise to follow a dream? Gorgeous colours, magical moments with an ending that was so emotionally devastating. I was absolutely in bits when the credits rolled. Uh, she didn't give the stars, did she?
3: No, she didn't give the stars, no, but I, I would give it quite. I
0: still listen to the podcast, uh, to the, podcast, to the muse- music on a semi-regular basis.
1: I'd imagine that'd be quite high. Um, Matt, Uh, Inside Oz Podcast says Loved it Tricky follow up to Whiplash But sets itself apart From everything else Around at the time And clearly made by someone Who loves old cinema Steered clear of the Cliché ending Sometimes people just Aren't meant to end up together Uh, Four stars Could have been five But I didn't find Ryan Gosling's character Likeable He's a fine actor But didn't do it for me In this (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Helen This is a good one for me So this (laughs) is uh, from Movie Reviews In 20Q's podcast Overrated Production values are great but lack substance and tried to make up for that by dwelling on old Hollywood nostalgia. Gosling is good, but Emma Stone's character is insanely unlikable. Two stars.
3: It's interesting who, if you pick one as your favourite, who you side on. Mm. Um, Because Gosling, I'd say, is the one that's the least likeable in terms of mansplaining and like...
0: Yeah, that's what people say normally. I
1: think they're liking J.K. Simmons for firing him at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amelie.
0: Uh, Yes, so someone else uh, replied and said, seconding Sam's uh, comment, but flip-flop Emma and Ryan, get out of here with your jazz, Ryan. (laughs) So they (laughs) hate Ryan. And they say, what's your rating? And uh, he says 2.5 as well. He says, uh, I'll save 1.5 for true garbage like Joker.
1: Well, I mean, the Oscars would beg it to differ. Shots um, Matt. Uh, the contrarians say, not sure what's worse, that I find the relationship bland and superficial, or that I find the songs and choreography unmemorable, save one. Fantastic ending, though, and really the only reason I think it may be worth watching. Three out of five.
3: And then this follows a, th- a thread about um, Tom Everett Scott, the, who plays Emma Stone's character's uh, partner, husband, husband yeah, in, yeah. The, in the flashback sequence. Well, that, Well, in true life. But you didn't know you didn't know about this guy, did you?
0: So no, I, I knew, but I know Tom Hepburn Scott because I've seen that thing you do. I've seen yeah. an American Werewolf in Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, I had seen loads of films, but I couldn't remember that thing you do, and I couldn't remember the aspect of him being obsessed with jazz. Sure. So it was apparently quite funny that he was cast, you know, as a Emma Stone's husband,
3: <laughs> Helen.
2: Uh, so this one is from Stephen. It's the greatest musical of all time with two incredible lead performances and of its Oscar wins, it deserved leading actress, director and cinematography the most. And they give it five stars. I don't think it's the greatest musical <laughs> of all
3: time.
0: I don't think it's even close.
3: And that's at Stephen Morris, because there's lots of people called Stephen uh, in the world just to sing <laughs> about else, but a um, bit. Emily.
0: Um, so this is Elle Latoya, who is at Frangley Twenty Seven. She said, absolutely loved it as another brilliant film by Damien Chazelle. It is a bittersweet technical homage to French musicals, as well as being a love letter to Hollywood steeped in nostalgia and encourages its audiences to dream. It provides a magical journey into the lives of a couple of dreamers with the technical brilliance and levels of obsession on display as typical hallmarks of a Chazelle film with a captivating score.
3: Well, that's Justin Hurwitz. Um, All his scores are on point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how many stars?
0: And she says, uh, "Oh yes, it's four four
3: point five stars." Nice, thank you so much, guys, for your comments there. And there is there is lots, of, lots more comments which we didn't read out there because it's quite a long thread. Yeah. Uh, so do find us just type in FlixWatcher La La Land and you'll see all the comments related to that. So guys, can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online? And say signarok, goodbye, adiós,
4: muchachos, <laughs> Bye. to Bye. people who's listening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, you can find me at Diony clear Luna, and also on the podcast uh, Fatal Attractions. Uh, so you can find us at at Fatal Attract Pod.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Brothers Two, and Spotlight at Spotlight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and we're on Facebook as well.
3: Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming Thank on. You. Cheers, guys. Bye.
0: Bye. 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 Bye.
2: audio, tell them she sent you.
1: You just heard a Stripped Media Production.